You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning, everybody. It is good to be together as we gather to be the church who is encouraged by the word and who leans on the Holy Spirit and who depends on the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. It's good to gather and to remember those things. Today we're going to be finishing up a long trek through the letter to the Ephesians. And so it is uh, with a lot of excitement for me to be able to bring it to close. We've done it off and on, treks, pieces, if you would, sections that applied to where we are over the last three years, and now we're finishing up in spiritual warfare. And so if you would turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, we'll be starting in verse 18 as we bring this section to a close today. Uh, As we get ready to do that, and as you're turning, uh, I just want to encourage you that uh, today's message is going to be one that will be easy to kind of just flip by, that you've heard a lot of these things before. But because the word is good and never returns void, we are going to take a moment and ask the Lord to open our hearts together, to open our minds and to change us according to the word, and that we would not be the same when we walk out of here today. So if you would, let me pray for us. And uh, if you would, at the end of my time in prayer, when I say amen, you just say amen as well. That word just simply means I agree. And so uh, let me pray for us now, and then we'll uh, jump into the word here. Father, to step into your throne room is overwhelming, knowing that we do not belong because we are sinners, not by anything we can do or have done should we be allowed to be in your presence, much less speak to you or petition you, but because you loved us so much even while we were your enemies, that you sent us Jesus to live the perfect life that we could not live, to die the death that we all deserve under your wrath, and that he rose victorious from death, having defeated Satan and hell and sin, we now can step into your throne room with boldness. But Lord, we also do so with humility. Father, I pray this morning, if you would be so gracious to us, that you would fill our hearts with your love for your son, Jesus that your word would spur us to see his beauty and greatness and majesty and that we would revel and be in awe and that we would love you more because of what you've done for us in Jesus. Would you change us and shape us according to your word that we might walk in your ways, that we might be made more holy because you are holy and that we might give you all the honor and all the praise. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to go back and read verses 10 to catch us up as a reminder for where we've been the last month. And then we'll start our time today in verse 18. So if you look with me in Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pause briefly with me and let's just picture that. We've talked about this being the armor of God, and it reminds us of a Roman soldier getting ready for battle. And as he picks up all these pieces and dons them, the first of them talking about taking on the the belt of truth in most of your translations, really meaning to gird up the loins with truth, to, to bring up everything so that you're ready to run and maneuver, and you're doing that all through truth, and then putting on the breastplate of righteousness to walk in right living to do so in a way to honor God and to live life in a way where there is nothing to be regretting, nothing to be asking forgiveness of because you walk in that truth and righteousness, although we know we will have to repent and ask forgiveness at times. But to don that breastplate of righteousness. And then we see in verse 14, he goes on and talks about the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. He talks about the shield of faith in verse 16 that we hold up, which actually is our faith that extinguishes the darts of persuasion from the enemy, the one that tries to make us hate ourselves and think we cannot do whatever God has set forth for us to do in his power, the one who accuses us that it will extinguish those darts and to put on the helmet of salvation, which gives us our hope because that salvation has already been secured in Jesus on the cross. And so we can walk with the sure hope of knowing no matter what, we have already been redeemed. And that redemption is all fulfilling, once and for all accomplished by Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And then he talks about the sword of the Spirit, the part that all of us love to think about, wielding the sword, which really he's referring to most likely to the specifics of the gospel the truth of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, so that it is our sword, not just to fight the enemy, but to cut through the enemy to get to secure and save those who are lost and held captive by the enemy as we pierce the darkness with the truth of the Word of God. And then he leans into something that is a little bit surprising. Just think about it. This soldier's getting ready, and he's put on all this armor and he's getting ready for the fight and he's checking his helmet and he's getting the shield ready, showing what he's going to do, reminding himself, getting the sword in his hand, ready to pull it from the scabbard. The enemy's approaching and you think it means to go into battle now and there's going to be this pep talk of like, let's go in, let's do it, and this kind of yell and everybody runs into battle. And that's exactly what happens, but in a way we don't anticipate. Look at verse 18. Do all of this, standing firm, praying, verse 18, at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, Paul says, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly 
to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Go back and look at it again. See what he says. Praying at all times in the Spirit. That's the first all stated. This is all-encompassing, his idea here. Praying at all times in the Spirit. Secondly, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And then he asks for prayers for himself to be bold, that he might be given words to speak the mysteries of the gospel and to speak them with boldness. And again, repeats that idea of speaking with boldness the gospel as he is an ambassador in chains, which is a crazy idea as well because ambassadors in a land that is not their own on behalf of their king to be put in chains would be a horrible thing. It would not be acceptable. It would be a very bad situation. But here, Paul sees it as good because it gives him the opportunity to be an ambassador of those who he would not have a sitting with. Hopefully, he's thinking here probably even to Caesar. So what does that mean for us? This idea that we're supposed to pray, we've heard it, we've talked about it, we've committed to memory some ways to pray for a lot of us. We've talked about the fact that we should be praying more and we some of us pray often throughout the day, maybe having a time of prayer in the morning, a time of prayer in the evening, or even more. But what does it mean for us here? What, how, how should we think differently about it? I think it's pretty amazing that he gives all this talk about the battle and the war that we're in with the cosmic powers of darkness that rule this world for the time being, that have been given sway. And he tells us to don all this armor and get the sword ready to go into battle. And then he immediately follows that up with praying because I believe that that idea of prayer is where the rubber meets the road. That is our first action. That is our first duty as Christians once we are prepared for battle is to engage in that battle in the air war, which is prayer. And it is the war activity that we can participate in that will have, hear me right, that will have the most significance for who we are as a Christian and who we are as the church. If we want to see people saved, we need to pray for God to save people and then share the gospel. If we want to see people turned back to the faith, we need to pray for that to happen. Prayer is where the action takes place first and foremost. And he begins in a unique place here in verse 18. We're going to just walk through the pieces. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Praying at all times in the Holy Spirit. What does that even mean? Praying at all times, constantly in the Spirit. Romans 12.12 says this as Paul's talking about a lot of things, the greatest theological treatise we have in the New Testament he says, rejoice in hope that we get. We can rejoice in hope, amen? We've been doing that this morning, right? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Some of us do that better than others naturally. But we can sustain and we can be patient in tribulation. But then he says, be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation when it comes. But be constant in prayer. In Acts 6, we even see where the apostles are dealing with a problem within the church where some widows have been overlooked, and there's some conflict about that. And so they tell the body to, to pick seven men from among themselves of good repute to go and take care of those widows. 
And so they do that, but they give their reason for it right before these guys go out to serve. They say, you pick seven guys from among yourselves to take care of these widows because we need to do this. Verse 4 of chapter 6 in Acts. But we will devote ourselves to prayer first, to prayer and to the ministry of the word. There's a reason why when I read the old dead guys, I refer to them a lot. It's because it seems that more of them than the modern guys spend more time in prayer and seem to recognize the value of time spent on our knees or on our face before our Lord. I've mentioned it before, and it goes worth mentioning again that Spurgeon used to always talk about how he'd spend a couple hours in prayer in the morning, but on really, really busy days, he'd spend three or four hours in prayer in the morning. Well, but what if we would endeavor to engage in the battle firsthand in prayer in such a way, not that you have to spend three or four hours, but just more than you already are, more than I already am. And not just for the reason of doing more, because that does not win the favor of God to spend more time in prayer, saying more phrases and keeping up vain things to the Lord, but just being face-to-face with the Lord so that when we go out into the world, we recognize His hand everywhere. And we walk in touch with His Spirit. Listen, Praying in the Holy Spirit is the key. In fact, if you don't walk away with anything else today, I want you to memorize that phrase, praying in the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite modern guys says that in his prayer list that he has, the first thing always at the top of it is pray in the Holy Spirit. We can rush into the throne room of God and throw a bunch of things out to God without asking God to tell us what he wants us to come to him with. We need to pray in the Holy Spirit. We don't just pray in what we think is logically the best thing to talk about, what is what we think is most on our hearts. We do pray for those things as well, but we need to go to the Lord in the Holy Spirit and pray. Isn't it unique that he doesn't tell us just to come? He says, pray in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one that guides us, that cares for us, that teaches us, that gives us the words when we have no words, that leads us to pray about things that we would not think of on our own. So if we just rush in to pray, we may miss the largest things we need to pray about that moment. Pray in the Holy Spirit. That's because prayer is a communal activity. I don't just mean in the body. It is the one we should do together as the body, but it's also a communal activity where we are united to the heart and mind of God by the Holy Spirit. It's something we do together with Him, not just speaking at Him. And when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we are working together with Him in our efforts, submitting to His leadership, even in our requests and petitions. Our prayers must be spirit-led, brothers and sisters. I don't know about you, but I often think I know what is best. Truly, the Lord knows what is best and right and good. He knows where there are people who need to be prayed for. He knows the ones on your list who need extra time and attention in prayer. And I don't understand how prayer works, if I'm being honest with you. I wish I could just tell you how prayer works, that when we pray, this is how it triggers God and God does this thing. But it doesn't work like that. It's not a transaction. It's not a formula. It's a relationship with God. And it's listening to Him and not just speaking to Him. That's why it's good to open your word before you begin praying and let the Lord speak to you even in that. Ask Him to tell you how to pray specifically today. Be quiet and wait for Him to nudge you specifically in how to pray. 
This means we have to embrace our dependency upon him, and that's difficult because we live in a land about independence, which is good for our citizenry, but is bad for our relationship with God. It's bad for the church. Romans 8 tells us how to do this. If you remember anything else as far as extra scriptures, this is the one, Romans 8, verse 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. This is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament saying, we don't know what we should pray for most of the time. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for interceding on our behalf so that we can speak rightly to you and say the things that need to be said and ask for the things that need to be asked for. Let me ask some questions for us now to make us think about it. Do you ever stop before praying and ask God to lead you in what you are to pray? If not, that's a good thing to begin doing for us. Do you just pray in what the Bible calls vain repetitions? I pray repetitively often. That doesn't mean they're all vain. So hear me right. You can pray repetitive things. That's how we teach children, isn't it? Repeating things over. But are they just vain repetitions? Simply uttering out words of habit. You can pray Psalm 23. You can pray the Lord's Prayer and it not mean a thing. Because it's about being face-to-face with Him. and Speaking to Him as you're led by the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what the reason is, but we as Baptists have seemed to, not just, I'm not saying our church in particular, but we seem to be very scared of the Holy Spirit often. Instead, we should lean into Him. He's our comforter. I know we don't want to be called some kind of crazy charismatics. The truth is, He lives within us and He is God truth is we need him every moment of every day to guide us and to act as if he does not exist is a travesty and even borders on blasphemy in the way in which we live do we ever even take time to recognize that the only way into the presence of god is in christ through the holy spirit just taking him for granted when we don't recognize his presence with us as the third member of the trinity we should not do so and it can revolutionize our own personal lives and this church if we were to change in this way praying at all times in the holy spirit keep going praying at all times in the holy spirit with all prayer and supplication To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Keep alert, right? Be vigilant as good warriors. Ready at all times. You get that, right? Mark 14, 38, Jesus says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is when the disciples are failing him in the garden. In Luke 21, 34, it's referred to, he says, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. He's talking about when the Lord will return. And listen, 
<laughs> Listen. He says, watch out. that The cares of the world might get you off track. I think that could be all of us just about any day. Amen. He says, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. You see, the way we are to remain engaged in the battle here that surrounds us, as he's talked about, is by remaining in a state of prayer in the Holy Spirit. You say, how do I do that? It's because you can go about your day. You don't have to just give up life and stay on your knees. You go about your day doing the things you do, but as the moments go on, because you're spending time with him before and after those events, you can also walk in this kind of higher level in your brain where you're singing a song to the Lord, worshiping him, where you are asking for him to speak to you and you're trying to keep an open ear, you have this ongoing dialogue as well. You have the time set aside and then you have the ongoing walking with him. And in this way, we can keep alert by continually depending on the Holy Spirit to lead us throughout the day by remaining awake. In other words, recognizing the reality of the situation we live in, which is a spiritual war, and looking for the movement of the Holy Spirit, ready with the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. As he leads us throughout the day, and we can stay engaged in dialogue with him. In Mark 13, Jesus talks a little more in verse 32 on. Listen to what he says. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, he tells his disciples. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his own work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. He goes to great lengths to point out that we should remain vigilant, attuned, focused. It doesn't mean you can't sleep. He's saying as you're awake, be awake to the reality you live in. Don't ease into the slope of worldly things that draw our hearts away so that we don't pay attention to what's really going on and what opportunities arise before us to serve the Lord, to serve others, and to proclaim the gospel even. And he talks about it not just staying awake, but he says we must persevere. Look at it. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. That word perseverance. I love that word. It's a great word, perseverance, because it really makes me think about things I don't like doing. Yeah? You only hear that word when it's hard. Persevere, right? When you're doing the last set in your workout. I'm talking to some of you, not myself right now. When you're running that last lap, when you're dealing with your kids, it's a hard day and it's towards the end and you can't do it anymore. When you look up and there just doesn't seem to be any hope, even though you're trying to be hopeful in whatever your situation is. When the bitterness keeps coming back into your heart, even though you pray and ask God to remove it, maybe he wants you to lean on to him in that and persevere, Right? I don't know why God waits sometimes to answer prayers. I don't know why sometimes he seems to not answer prayers. But what I do know is that whatever he's doing, he knows what he's doing. And there's a purpose behind it. And our job is to persevere. 
He doesn't put somebody on your heart to pray for so that it has no effect. He puts somebody on your heart to pray for because he's going to use that somehow. I don't know why he does it this way. He's going to utilize that somehow to make something happen for his glory. Listen to this parable he teaches in Luke 18. Jesus says he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. You hear that? Church, pray, 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 and do not lose heart. Here's a parable to push it further for us. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city that kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He hears your prayers. And he loves you so much that he gave his one and only son so he could redeem you because that was the only way. He loves you. He hears you. Persevere. Keep praying. Keep hoping. Keep trusting the Lord. For years, you know, God placed one of my very best friends on my heart. Didn't see him for a long, long time, for a decade, easy. But he put him on my heart after I became a believer to pray for him continually. When I came here, I asked others to pray for him. And just two years ago, our good God saved his soul. I didn't pray him into the kingdom. But I guarantee you, God got more glory because his timing is always the right timing. We must persevere. He didn't put that person on your heart that you love because he's not caring about them. He did it because he loves you and them. Persevere, brothers and sisters. He didn't carry us through difficult times, church, because he doesn't love us or because he's punishing us. He loves us. Jesus took all the punishment for us already. We don't understand it, but persevere. Persevere. At times it may feel like our prayers are even wasted, but they are not. Spirit-led prayers are never wasted. Even if the answers are delayed, be persistent in your prayers. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says this, right? We use it all the time, but let's take a second and just unpack it. Ask, it's the first command, present imperative. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, there's a second one, and you will find. Knock, there's the third, and it will be open to you. Really what he's saying is ask and keep on asking. That's the present imperative. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. The idea here is persistence that is escalating even. First, it's ask. Hey, I need this. You said you were going to give this. 
you, you, you put this on my heart, Lord. I'm asking for it. Seek, Lord. What do I need to do to make it happen? I'm seeking it out. What do I need to do to be a part of it? Show me, Lord. I want to do it. Let's do it. Let's seek it out. And then knock. Like, keep on knocking. Just knocking harder. Like, let me in. Come on, give me the thing you're telling me to pray for, Lord. Bring it home. Let's see it happen. I trust you. Be persistent. Persevere. Be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit and persevere in your prayers. In all circumstances. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Listen, making supplication for all the saints. All right, church, we pray for the lost. It's easy to pray for those that are lost around the world. Pray for people we know that don't know Jesus. We think they don't know Jesus. We even see in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, Paul's telling us to pray for our rulers, pray for all those around the world. We should pray for all people, but God seems to prioritize right here our praying for all the saints. I know we often stop and we have specific prayer requests that roll across our apps or that come to us in a prayer meeting or in a Sunday school and we stop and pray right then. But there's something about here he's saying, pray for all the saints. When's the last time we stopped and said, okay, Lord, who in the church do I need to pray for right now? What leader do I need to pray for? What small group leader do I need to pray for? What what just member of the church? What new person coming to the church do I need to pray for right now? I'm going to listen and wait. And I'm going to pray. I know a lot of you have been interceding on the behalf of this faith family for quite some time, especially this year in some ways maybe we never have before. I'm telling you, God hears our prayers. And we need to keep on praying. We're not done needing to pray for our faith family. We're not done needing to pray for one another. I often find that the ones in my heart sometimes, for those folks that you might have a hard time praying for, that when you start praying for them, it becomes easier to love and care for and keep on praying and even reach out to them. Let's pray. Keep on praying. James 5, James tells us this in verse 16, Therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer, listen to this, righteous people, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. King James, I memorized, says, The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Has great power. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. That's a sinner saved by the grace of God, and yet so go we. See, prayer is powerful because our God is powerful. Our prayers are not powerful because we pray them. Our prayers are powerful because we're praying to our powerful, mighty God who loves us and wants to fulfill His promises. So let us pray for our church and watch God do amazing things in our midst as we try to reach this community. For His glory and for our joy, let's pray for those things. Lastly, he goes on. We'll say verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints 
and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So let's pray for one another that we would be given the words, that God would give each of us the words we need to proclaim the gospel and to be bold in doing so. Look, I know some of you are evangelists and some of you are not. It's okay. The Bible tells Timothy, Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, which means he's not one. All of us need to proclaim the gospel more. And the beauty of it is, You can't, under your power, bring anybody to faith. But God, through you, and especially upon the prayers of the saints, for some reason, can speak boldly through you and give you the words you need when you speak the gospel to others with boldness. We just need to pray for one another. When was the last time we spent a little time praying for people in this faith family by name that God would give them the words they need in their evangelism conversations? And that he would give them boldness to speak the gospel when it might be a time of timidity. Colossians 4, 2 through 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. What kind of church will we become if we pray like that? If we are obedient to God's command to share the gospel, pray for one another, for boldness, for clarity, for the right words to use. And how effective would our church become in accomplishing the Great Commission if we were praying continually for one another for that boldness, for the words to say? Listen to this final verse I'll give you with it. Romans 8.34, Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. You see, Jesus, the Savior, is at the right hand of God, interceding for you and for me right now, right this very moment. And he asks us to be like Jesus. That's what the word Christian means, right? To pray for one another in these ways. So let us gird up ourselves in truth and walk in the righteousness that he has given us, donning our salvation daily, holding up the shield of faith, wielding the sword of the Spirit as necessary to free those who have been enslaved by sin and the enemy, praying for our church constantly, praying for one another, especially for boldness in sharing the gospel. This is our greatest and foremost work as those who have been saved for the glory and might of our Lord Jesus Christ have been done so, have been brought to salvation through the gospel that was proclaimed by someone else, and people were praying for that person that was sharing the gospel and praying for that lost person, and they were praying for one another for the cares they have for each other to see them grow in the faith, and let us be that church on the mission in the fight. That is how we get in the fight. Let us hit our knees in that way. I want to finish it out by just reading the final greeting and then, of course, the admonition and glorying that Paul does. He says in verse 21, a little thing about a guy he wants to introduce, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. 
can't say this name, so forgive me, Tishicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Listen, he says, peace to you, brothers, and love with faith. From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Are we loving each other with love incorruptible? Are we praying for that peace? Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helps you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to make apprentices of Jesus by being a family for families.